Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I'm John Ledyard, your host from over at FanRagSports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ledyard, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D, NFL Draft, along with Trevor Sykema from PewterReport.com, who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers even through the Christmas Day season. And you can follow Trevor on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey, T-R-E. Trev, how was your Christmas slash covering the Bucks crushing loss into Christmas time? event holiday <laughs> it was no it was it was good my friend um hope yours is good as well mm-hmm. yes uh, you know the bucks basically did really the bucks had best best case scenario um mm-hmm. very competitive a good game by their quarterback but ultimately came up with the loss and kept the draft position alive yep. so you know that's uh that's that's a win. That's a win around these parts. Exactly. No, I, I completely agree with you. I don't know if the players will feel that way. Um, well, the players certainly don't. But right. even the fans, man, there's a lot of fans who are like, yes, yeah, yeah a I loss mean, for but, Christmas. But, <laughs> <laughs> All they want for Christmas is Nick Chubb's. <laughs> they do ask him. I see you answering Nick Chubb questions all the time. Yeah. Um, Chubb will be a senior, uh, so we know he's headed to the draft. Twenty six. Uh, players have declared for the draft that we weren't 100% sure about, pretty sure about a lot of them, um, including a number of players that, and we're going to talk about Josh Allen because I know that's who everybody uh, wants to hear about. We're going to talk about a lot of these underclassmen declarations. And let's start with the wide receiver position because uh, a guy that you are familiar with, and Antonio Callaway from Florida, a guy who we really haven't talked about at all on the show because he didn't play the entire season for Florida because of off-the-field concerns and issues. That has been a long list of problems with Callaway uh, during his time at Florida. Now Callaway declares for the draft. There are some people who think he's the most talented wide receiver in this class. Uh, There are other people who think he's a good wide receiver, not the best, and uh, should be a top 50-60-70 type pick. Um, And then there are some people who think the character issues and everything make him undraftable. What's your insight into Antonio Callaway? Because I know as a Florida guy, you've probably got some hashtag thoughts on this. Yeah, um, an extremely talented kid uh, was basically all Florida's offense had during his during his time there when he was on the field. And, um, you know, they, they were using him on the outside and the slot uh, out of the backfield, wide receivers, reverses, whatever it was. Antonio Callaway was a guy who was like a true focal point of an offense that they could use anywhere he was used uh, uh, like i feel like antonio brown is used by the steelers i'm not calling him antonio brown but i'm saying that this is a you know it's a smaller statured guy who had all kinds of speed both down the field um and in short area quickness he had good instincts as a wide receiver knowing where open space was knowing how to be a playmaker and and it really stood out when he was on the field at the university of florida but Again, he just he was not on the field as much as he should have been, and that's because of off the field issues. I believe he was suspended for at least one game every year uh, for off the field issues, mm-hmm. or maybe one last year. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But then this one to cap it all off, you know, he gets felony charges for stealing credit cards and and um, buying stuff and claiming it is lost and all of that. And so him and I believe 13 other Florida players ended up getting uh, felony charges that most pleaded down to misdemeanors. So that's what Antonio Callaway did. That's why there's no jail time for him. But still, it's going to make it's going to make this process a very uphill battle for Antonio mm-hmm. Callaway because. I don't think he's going to get invited to the combine now because of this, even though it technically wasn't a felony. Now it was a misdemeanor. I, I don't think 
he's going to get invited to the combine. Mm, he's sure. not. He's not going to get invited to Florida's pro day because I, I'm pretty sure this was kind of a, a decision amongst him and the Florida staff. It's like, hey, bud, you should declare for the draft. Um, basically, meaning <laughs> get yourself we're not out gonna, of here, <laughs> right? Basically, meaning like we're not going to have you back. So, if that's the case, then I don't think he's going to be able to work out at Florida's pro day. So then all of a sudden, Antonio Callaway is just going to try and get on maybe a small school team's pro day that some of the scouts are going to be at, or he's going to host an individual pro day, which I don't think many people will come out to see. So here you have a, a really talented kid when he's on the field, a guy with off-the-field issues, and a guy who's got who is staring up at, I feel, a mountain during this draft process to get his name back to relevancy and a position for somebody to believe in him. Now, does it only take one? Yes, absolutely. But, I mean, he, he is a day three prospect at best, um, and he was, I thought, a day two talent, uh, certainly on the field every year that he's been on the field, and certainly what he could progress to be as a playmaker. But he's not going to go any higher than the fourth round, and I really think it's probably like a, a you know, a fifth, sixth. I, I don't really know. Right. Uh, just because I, I don't know how much teams are going to trust him even though he's got good tape under him. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely the issues in front of him. I liked some of the flashes that I saw from him. I don't know if I buy the, you know, top 15 lock, you know, best wide receiver in the draft conversation around him, but I definitely think he's a really good player, and it's a shame the off-field issues have kind of kept us from seeing him recognize his potential of Florida because I really – I mean, he's he's a dynamic playmaker type of, uh, type of college athlete. So uh, I am excited to see how the draft process treats him, what reports we get. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting also to see if he gets invited to the combine and what happens with that because, I mean, that's huge for him. He has to be able to sit down with teams because he's a good prospect. He's not like an elite quarterback prospect that teams would go out of their way to meet with anyway and prioritize right. anyway if he doesn't show up at the combine. You know, If he's not at the combine and he's not allowed to work on a Florida's pro day, you know, I mean, I I just feel like you've kind of got a guy that's going to be in no man's land and teams are just not going to have the time or resources to really go after somebody like that. Um, so, And it's all it's all the value game, right? Like even if you as a team believe that Antonio Callaway is like a fourth – like even even if you would say like, all right, yeah, this kid's a fourth-round pick. But if you know that other teams around the NFL don't believe so, you will let him drop because right. you know that you can get him in the later rounds if you are basically the only team who believes in him. So that's going to go. Sure. That's going to play a part in Antonio Callaway's role too, because value in the NFL draft often has to do with teams versus teams, like how each guy, how each team views a prospect, which might even like elevate a guy higher than his talent is. Well, it's the it, it can the same can be said the other way around. If you have a guy who you like but nobody else likes, then he could be your diamond in the rough. You could maybe let him slip another round or until your next pick, whenever it is, and, and pick him up later in the draft, even though his talent might be worth more. So that's just part of the game we play, and that might be something with Antonio Callaway where we might see him go sixth round, seventh round, even undrafted. Who knows? So that's kind of that's, that's my thoughts with him. It's been interesting because there are a lot of questions about this wide receiver position group in this in this class and a lot of questions about the safety group. So I always wonder how much college players pay attention to the fact that their position group might be weak or what kind of advice they get along those lines. And I don't know whether that's been a factor, but we've seen Callaway declare. We've seen Cortland Sutton declare. We've seen DJ, which was expected. We've seen DJ Moore declare for Maryland early to jump into this class. Kiki Kute from Texas Tech, who is a pint-sized, 5'9", 170, 580-pound wide receiver that is very quick, but 
I'm not sure there's a lot of teams trying to take a receiver that small um, really high in the draft. He's decided to declare from Texas Tech. He does have nice production this season. Quadri Henderson, who is another smaller receiver, who isn't even really a receiver. He hardly produced at all at Pittsburgh. He's just a guy that could probably run in the four threes and is a great return man, but I don't know why those guys declare early, but he's declaring early. Richie James, uh, I don't think he played much this year for Middle Tennessee or didn't really stand out anyway. Um, I think he was hurt some some of the year. Um, Simi Cobbs from Indiana. These aren't household names. These aren't guys that you would ordinarily say, oh, wow, yeah, they should definitely come out. Look at the years they just had, you know, strike while the iron's hot. I don't even think it's like that for a lot of these guys or that they have all this tantalizing upside. Um, and, yeah, Richie James only did play in five games this season. So it's it's just more a matter of, this class really isn't great at wide receiver, and these guys might have some high, like guys like Henderson and, and Kute might have some high end traits that get them drafted, you know, as speedsters earlier than they normally would because teams are looking for that Tyree kill mold or whatever it might be sure. uh, to kind of stretch defenses. And I think that's what's going through a lot of these guys' minds at this point. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Simi Cobbs, I think he's maybe the most intriguing. I mean, I know we t- we'll talk about Sutton more uh, as we get closer to the draft because he's the biggest name of the wide receivers so far. But Simi Cobbs is intriguing because he was out la- most of last year, I think, and then he had some off the field. I've actually a ton of these guys have had some some form of off the field or coaching or some type of struggle in college but he bounced back this year after missing the 2016 season at 72 catches for 841 yards and eight touchdowns he's not going to light it up as a vertical threat or as an athlete but he's a guy that makes really good contested catches tough at the catch point very similar in a lot of ways to Marcel Aitman from Oklahoma State Alan Lazard Iowa State I think we're going to have a lot of these type where I don't know that they'll separate really well or blow anyone away with their route running or, or quickness um but I think that they all can fulfill a role, and a lot of that ends up being red zone production uh, too, at least in college. Uh, we'll see if it translates to the NFL. But breaking all those guys up from different tiers, I think, is going to be uh, part of the challenge this year. We had mixed thoughts on Cortland Sutton coming into the year, and then he had like one of those, it's a good year, but not like a great year. And you know, based on his level of competition that he's playing at Southern Methodist, you know, a thousand, just over a thousand yards receiving, twelve touchdowns, sixteen point four yards per catch, sixty-two grabs. I mean, it's not like anything elite, but I don't know it's why really. But it seems like the first round hype, at least for now, has kind of died down around Sutton. And not that people don't think he's a good player, but now it's more like, oh, maybe he's a second round type of guy. And I have to watch his tape from this year, but. I'm not sure that he was. I was ever really as high on him as people were, you know, to begin with, as of a couple of years ago. And I know his numbers have been really good, especially in the red zone at Southern Methodist. But I'm just not sure that he's like an elite level athlete either, even though he has a lot of the size that you're looking for. Yeah, there was a lot of talk last year about um, him and Corey Davis as the small school guys. And uh, when I watched both of them, I thought that Corey Davis was much more of an athlete than Corey Sutton. Yes. I, thought, I thought Sutton did. Uh, a nice job last time I kind of put him under the microscope. I thought he did a really nice job playing at the sideline, um, being able to to catch passes with limited space, you know, whether it was like I just said on the sideline or sometimes in the red zone. And that's great for, for big guys because you, you know, we talk about height a lot, um, especially for wide receivers and it only matters if you get the most out of it. So if you if you are tall, if you have long arms, if you have a big catch radius, the fact that you can operate under um, 
I guess, small windowed situations mm-hmm. um, where you're reaching out, getting a ball that might be thrown out of bounds that another re- wide receiver couldn't reach, that you can reach, you know, like little things like that, that it matters for your height. And so I thought Cortland Sutton did a nice job there. I thought his route tree was super limited the last time I looked at him. So I've yeah. got to, like you, I've got to go and watch him this year to see if, if he was able to kind of like diversify that a little bit. But last year, I mean, I saw basically like nine routes, out routes, and comeback routes, and mm-hmm. that's literally it from Cortland Sutton. So he might be a little bit different this year. Um, he might have a couple of different routes in his repertoire. Um, wow, well done. There you go. But that's, I mean, like, that's why I thought that Corey Davis was clearly the better wide receiver. I than agree. Cortland Sutton last yeah. Year. No, and so. I, I still feel that way completely. I, I mean, I think Sutton's intriguing, and I think there's some good things about him, but I don't see him anywhere near what I saw with Corey Davis. Uh, but, you know, we still got to see Corey Davis over the course of a full NFL season with a you know, healthy uh, offseason or healthy uh, training camp under his belt as well, uh, which I'm sure would help him uh, significantly. Um, the defensive back class is really going to – I mean, the, the underclassmen I really feel like are going to dominate this group, especially at safety. Derwin James, Deshaun Elliott from uh, Texas, and Jordan Whitehead from Pitt are all have all declared and really – at this point, I don't know that they're not the top three safeties for many people as long as you consider Minka a corner. Um, Elliot and, and jo- Jonah Tolls did really good work on Elliot over at NDT Scouting. So if you're looking for some stuff on it, Deshaun Elliott, go over and check out his stuff. A lot of really good kind of some rangy plays made, made more on instincts, I think, than on pure athleticism where Malik Hooker probably had both. I think the question with Elliot will be, is he an elite athlete? The question with, but I don't think there'll be much of a question with his instincts and ability to to make plays in the football. He's shown that, I think, uh, during his time at Texas. I think teams are going to be really excited about that. Can he play single high? Does he have that kind of you know quickness, sideline to sideline, ability to, to break on the ball, move top down, and things like that? Um, he's going to be a fun evaluation because there's a little bit of everything on tape. Jordan Whitehead has a lot of that athleticism, I think. I mean, he's a great athlete, Jordan Whitehead. Uh, I think that he'll impress teams in that way. He has some off-the-field stuff, uh, some character stuff that teams are going to have to look at. Um, and he's been a little inconsistent here and there. Um, but I, I like him as a pure athlete. I think teams are going to want to develop what they see with him. And then there's kind of Derwin James, who, oh, man, he was this, you know, he could go number one overall type of guy. And then it just wasn't a great year for Derwin James. I mean, I think that he's still a very good player, but is he able to play really high-value safety spots? You know, he plays a lot of his football near the line of scrimmage, and he's like 6'3", 210 pounds. And, you know, I don't know that he you really value him that highly if he's a box safety. So does he play in the slot? And we've discussed this a little bit. Is he just Jabril Peppers all over again and going to have a lot of trouble making the transition to the NFL as a deep safety? So there's a lot to talk about, I think, with him. But I know he's a guy that you were kind of high on coming into the year, and then there was some up-and-down play to evaluate from him this year on tape. If you don't play a real position in college, you're going to have a learning curve in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's no way around it. And I I am a fan of Derwin James' athleticism and potential just as much as anybody. But the fact of the matter is is that Derwin did not really play safety this year. And when he did, he didn't look that good because they played him near the box, they played him on the edge, they played him as a linebacker, they played him like in the slot, all kinds of stuff. And all, and all of a sudden now here at the end of the year, not only was Florida State's defense not good, but now you have an entire year of Derwin James' development f- 
I'll almost say for not because you didn't teach him a single position. So like, okay, he was super athletic all year. He, he rushed the passer. He did well doing those kinds of things. But in the NFL, you have to get taught a real position. And if he is getting taught a real position right away, like you just said, it's probably a box safety. So how high do you draft a box safety? Because I don't draft one that high. Yeah, so, I don't. Like, I think Derwin, I think Derwin had so much athleticism to be rangy enough to you play. He reminds me, he reminds me really of like what HaHa Clinton Dix was coming out of Alabama, and I like that necessarily like for him because I thought HaHa was a a good. Hmm. had a lot of potential as a single high player but also was a guy who could i thought lower the shoulder get tackles play physical and i think that i think derwin is on that other side of the spectrum of clinton Dix, where like he has more of the single high that he needs to learn but i think like being able to play both in that instance i think haha is a guy that i think of um as somebody who they can rely on to play single high and play box and like all that kinds of stuff Hmm. but the thing was, haha played it at Alabama. Derwin doesn't play that at Florida State. Right. So me saying that he could be that kind of a player and a safety in the NFL is just based off of what he can become. Right. And that will now take time because he's going to have to get into the NFL. He's going to have to get coaching. They're going to have to put him in a real position. And then he's going to have to just sit there and learn that position. Is he still going to be athletic? Yes. Is he? Could he still have good instincts? Like whatever it is he's doing? Yeah, sure. But – like it is the problem with Derwin James now is that it is going to take time for him to be at a real position in the NFL. Whether he is great at it or not, that is fine. You will invest in him wherever you pick him. But how high you pick him, now you have to factor in the 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 fact that you are going to be teaching him how to play a one singular position for the first time. So it is a great points that you bring up, and I think it's going to dominate the discussion around uh, around him because. I think he will test well, but again, it goes back to kind of Peppers, and I thought Peppers tested at a pretty pretty close to an elite level. Oh, yeah. yeah but I think awesome. with, with Derwin, you're going to have to see that too, and I thought that was the thing with Peppers, and he, and he showed that. With Derwin, you're going to have to have a guy that tests at an elite level so teams know that there's at least that high-end athletic upside uh, that they're investing in when they get him because if he's just an, another guy in terms of being an athlete, um, then I don't know that there's the same uh, intrigue in him, but – so I think his testing will be huge. I don't know that a lot of people doubt that he'll test really well. I, Again, I've said this before. I don't know that he's an elite athlete all around in terms of you know burst and, and some of that stuff, change of direction. Um, but I do think he'll run pretty well and jump pretty well, which is uh, the big ones that people look at anyway. Um, Josh Allen. We have to talk about him before we wrap up the podcast. He declares for the NFL sure. draft. Super polarizing. We've actually kind of. Uh, ignored him's the wrong word, but uh, there's just nothing to talk about with Josh Allen, man. He's had a horrible year. Like I'm, we're not, I don't feel like we have to always talk about him, even when we talk about you know first round quarterbacks, just because people say he's going to go first round. You know, so I guess there's multiple questions with Josh Allen. First, do you think that he made the correct decision by coming out after a season where he completed 56.2 percent of his passes, uh, threw for just over 1,600 yards, averaged 6.6 yards per attempt, 13 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. I mean, his numbers are god-awful. Um, and his play on the field was god-awful. So is it wise for any player to come out after producing like that? Um, 
think they're like when you immediately ask me that question, the first thing I think of is yes, because right. I don't trust college coaches. So when we like to talk about, well, hey, go back for another year, get better. Okay, well, we we often and you and I have talked about this on the mm-hmm. podcast a little bit before. Going back for another year does not equal you getting better. Like if you have the right. same coaches, the same offense coordinators, the same position, whatever th- that made you kind of like not good in the first place. And there are different kinds of ways that you need to improve. I also get that, mm-hmm. but. With Josh Allen, I'm not so convinced that getting NFL coaching, wherever it is that he is going to get drafted, is not the better idea for him. So I yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, it's it's basically this situation for Josh Allen. Your chances of getting better in college seem very slim. Your chances of elevating your draft stock in college seem very slim. You got worse clearly this past year. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. If Josh Allen wasn't getting this top fifteen hype. Let's let, let's say that let's say that he wasn't getting this top fifteen kind of outrageous hype. Let's say Josh Allen right now was a, a truly a quarterback from Wyoming, who you know you would think would be kind of lower on the radar, mm-hmm. um, as he normally would be, and he was this guy who you went, yeah, but you know this Josh Allen kid from Wyoming, I actually like him a little. I actually like him a lot. Right? Would you say to go out? Because yeah. I would. Exactly. I, I think the perception of Josh Allen going top 15 is what has soured us a lot in Josh Allen's decision to declare and just in his overall draft prospect. Look, mm-hmm. man, it's not our fault that some people in the NFL may be thinking it's a top 15 pick. And I think that we get a little bit, I don't want to say bitter, um, but yep. like maybe a little yep. like strong, like negative in our right. takes when, when we hear people say top 15 and we're just like, no, absolutely not. But like if Josh Allen was sitting there as a, um, a high end developmental late day two, early day three quarterback with some mm-hmm. of the, you know, I mean, like just take the bowl game. We saw a couple of the throws that Josh Allen had. Sure. They were great. And so like if, if that was his, if that was his narrative, I think this is a totally different conversation with Josh Allen. And it just, I, I don't know if it's, I guess I'll say it's unfair that some people are saying that he's a top 15 pick and a guy who can start right away because at that point you're just looking at another like Christian Hackenberg or something right? where you're just you're, you're, you're scrounging for little diamond throws and in, in a pile of crap of the season that he has had. Yeah. So that's kind of – yeah, no, that, that, that's my thoughts on him there. I agree with you. He, I mean he, he's making the right decision to come out. I don't know whether it, or, whether it will significantly matter for him at the next level um, because I think that there are – there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and I just don't know how much patience NFL teams have. His landing spot's going to be huge. Um, does he have stability on his coaching staff where he goes? Because change up offenses for this guy early on, you know, he he needs those mental reps. Uh, he needs them over and over and over again. He's got to sit. Um, so those are all really important factors in his landing spot. It's a somewhat of a risky move, but I just don't think there's much advantage to going back to school. I, I don't yep. know how in the world you expect to improve yeah, Wyoming, especially based on what we saw this year. He clearly didn't. That defense is great at Wyoming, by the way. We haven't talked much about that. But um, you know, he, he hasn't improved uh, this season at all, and his supporting cast clearly isn't great either. Um, I know we've talked about that. I think that that can be overblown because we have a lot of top quarterbacks in this class with bad supporting cast. But at the same time, man, Josh Allen's shown the ability to make some crazy throws, and teams are going to get excited about that. My question to you is, the last question that I have for you is, how excited are they going to be? Do you buy the fact that the NFL is, and now there's been, there have been more conflicting reports in recent weeks that the NFL isn't that high on Josh Allen. They like him. They're really intrigued by him. They sure. They're not going to take him top five or anything like that. 
Where do you kind Good. of think? I mean, we're we're guessing here, but because we obviously don't know. But where where do you think? You know, just based on this and watching past seasons of quarterbacks and where they go and and how the hype machine works. What, what do you think about where the NFL is on Josh Allen? Well, I mean, we we kind of have this every year, right? I mean, last year we had the Davis Davis Webb craze that came oh, yeah. up at the very end yeah. of the year, where it's like, oh, David, the NFL loves Davis Webb; he's going first round, and then mm-hmm. you know th- that didn't happen. So. I think that the NFL draft is absolutely a hype machine. Uh, that's why you and all you and I love to talk about it. Um, that's why it's something that we can talk about year round because yep. all kinds of opinions change. There's tons of things to do, all that kinds of stuff. And so I think when it's all said and done, I think Josh Allen will be picked outside of the first round, and I think that'll be good for him. Um, yep. I, it, I think it would take a serious oversight on a team. Unless you get a team that's either trading back like the Cardinals or a team picking real late like the Steelers who just go, hey, we have some of the pieces that we want. Mm-hmm. Um, the draft prospects that we didn't want are still on the board. We're going to put Josh Allen behind a guy like Ben Roethlisberger and let him sit. Or maybe even the Saints. You know, The Saints go, hey, we're going to pick Josh Allen because we had a great year from a rookie class. We're going to take a risk on it. We're going to let him sit behind Drew Brees. And like if you do that, then you're setting up yourself up for perhaps a great situation and a great transition as a quarterback. But um, because I do like that idea, I love the idea of, of teams who have somewhat still established good veteran quarterbacks bringing in a guy, maybe who is not necessarily a need for a quarterback, but will be in a couple of years. And anytime you can get ahead of the curve at the quarterback position, I'm a fan of it. So I think Josh Allen might be that kind of piece this season. Um, if not, then I do think that he's a day two player. Yeah, no, I tend to agree with you uh, across the board there. I, I think that Josh Allen won't be as highly sought after as people think uh, NFL teams will be. I think we see the hype every year uh, with a lot of these guys that end up being not great prospects. But Hackenberg going in the second round is still egregious. You know, that's still a, a big miss by NFL teams. That's still a big reach, um, and it hasn't worked out at all. Obviously, you can't even play over Bryce Petty, uh, and I don't. I, I think Allen has better tools than Christian Hackenberg. But remember, Hackenberg had the hype going back to high school. And I think that has, you know, there, there was that polish. And he had that one really good year. And Josh Allen's not really even had that. I know last year was better, but it still wasn't very good. Sure. Um, even though I thought that the promise last year held, if he developed, could make him. I think I had like a second or third round, you know, coming on uh, on him coming into the year. I kind of thought that's where it could fall on him. But uh, yeah, I just... Man, I, I don't know. I think that the NFL is going to end up being lower on him than, than the hype kind of says right now. And we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think you're right. It's, it has to be like a team in the late stages of the draft that knows they can sit him and, and has a pretty strong roster and doesn't feel like they have any crying needs and think that they have the coaches in place to develop and bring this guy along and, and that they've met with him and they think that he's smart enough and hardworking enough to, to come along. I have serious doubts about that. I don't think I'll have a top 100 grade or first three-round grade on Josh Allen based what I, on what I've seen uh, by the time I end up finalizing his his grades in my reports for the season but or for the draft. But I do get it why teams might be a little bit excited about some things he has to offer. I just – I would just not take that risk in the first second round. I think he's so far away from where he needs to be. Um, it would be as if Hackenberg, you know, became something. I think I would be that surprised by it. And I had Hackenberg with a seventh round grade, and Allen's tools might be a little better, but I'm not sure. Yeah, both were terrible under pressure. I, I think his tools might be a little better, so maybe he's a more enticing prospect than than Hackenberg because of that. But I mean, Hackenberg's tape his last couple of years were just, just, I mean, unwatchable. So. 
Um, we'll see. We'll see where the NFL ends up falling on Josh Allen. I know you and I aren't quite buying that they're as high as the hype is indicated um, since, wow, I mean, before last year. I mean, hype has been insane. I wonder if Josh Allen kind of has this regretful feeling about not coming out last year based on how this year's gone. And, you know, I wonder if he kind of wishes that he had come out and seen what happened. But either way, he's going to get that chance. Um, I think that a lot of the same flaws showed up on tape both seasons, even though this one was definitely uh, worse as well. So there's a lot to still evaluate with Josh Allen. We're going to have, probably have some ripple effect here with the quarterbacks uh, in recent weeks, um, some some of the younger guys declaring, and we'll see who decides to come out. If Josh Rosen joins that group here shortly, uh, they play uh, in their bowl game in a couple days. I know he's not playing, so we'll see if an announcement comes after that. Um, and obviously Sam Darnold will await that announcement as well, and, and some others, Lamar Jackson. Um, so a lot to look forward to. We'll keep, continue to talk about all these prospects, keep you up to date. Until next time, keep it locked right here on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast.